I'd like to share with you seven great Bible facts. Number one, our Lord Jesus has, in, has invited us to ask. Matthew 7, 7, ask, and it shall be given you. Number two, he has instructed us, as we ask, to believe. Mark eleven twenty four. believe that you receive, and you shall have. Number three, he has, he has promised us that as we ask, believingly, we shall receive. Matthew 21, 22, all things that you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Number four, one of the great promises of the Bible is for guidance. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go, I will guide you with mine eye. Number five, one of the conditions to guidance is humility. Psalm 25, verse nine, the meek will he guide in judgment, the meek will he teach his way. Number six, meekness or humility is exemplified by honoring everyone, including the sinner. First Peter 2.17, honor all men. Number seven, when we cease belittling others, we may then claim the promise of Isaiah chapter 58, verses nine to 11. The Lord shall guide thee continually. And now for our experience. It, uh, it revolves around our teenage daughter. Her name is Juanita. When she was still a girl in her late teens, she was having some problems with boys. There was particularly one young man who had just divorced his wife. He had no reason to divorce her, really, but he was determined that he would then make love to other girls. Now, the reason why he became a problem in, in our home was, bless his heart, he was not merely a handsome young man, he was just downright pretty. And all he had to do was to flash a smile and almost any girl would be drawn to him. And when he flashed one of those smiles at our daughter, Juanita, it was no exception. She was drawn to him. But our daughter was a minister's daughter. He was a divorced man. He had no, no Bible grounds for any divorce. His wife was a beautiful character. And this got in under my skin. Uh, fortunately, I had been studying some of the secrets of communication and sharing them with uh, the members of our church family. But unfortunately, I hadn't been putting them into practice too well in my own home. And my daughter realized, in spite of the fact that I didn't curse him out, 
that I didn't think very much of him. My thoughts were not favorable toward him, I assure you. So one morning, my daughter came to my bedside before I was out of bed, sat down on the bed with the express purpose of removing this daddy roadblock to her friendship with this boy whom we shall call Jim. As she started explaining to me the experience of Jim and his wife, I saw immediately that her plan was to remove any objection that I might have to their friendship. And if this objection was once removed, of course then she could go on into marriage if she chose to. I knew that you can't overcome emotion. It's very difficult. And so as she started with her story, I turned my heart to the Lord in prayer, claiming the promise of James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I needed the guidance that he promised in Psalm 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with mine eye. And realizing the impossibility of the situation, of my ever dissuading her from continuing this fellowship that could ripen into marriage, I turned to the Lord asking, believing, and thanking God that I had received this wisdom. Now you'll notice that this ABC prayer is a three-part prayer. We not merely ask, but we believe God because he cannot lie. And because the gift that God has promised is in the promise, we thank him that we have received, even though we do not realize it at the moment. We accept it by faith. As I asked God to fulfill this promise for wisdom and guidance in my heart, my daughter, of course, did not know that I was praying. She did not know how frustrated I was in my soul. But immediately the first answer to my prayer was, the Lord impressed me to look up into my daughter's face and smile. This would set her at ease. It would show that I was not rejecting her. And so I smiled, and you know, friends, for 30 minutes, as she was relating this experience, <laughs> I was in my heart crying out to God for wisdom, and I put on this fixed smile. I didn't realize that my smiling muscles <laughs> had not been worked as well as they should. And I kept this smile, kept looking into her face, smiling, smiling, smiling. <clears throat> When she was through with her story, I knew that it was up to me now to explain the answer. And how could I give the answer in such a way that she would accept it? There was no way under heaven except as heaven came to my rescue. Now, I was to believe, and then I was to, in my heart, thank God I had received. So I turned to my daughter, and I said, Juanita, I have an answer. It is something you're going to like very much. And my daughter looked into my face and she saw me smiling and my eyes glistening. And she began to smile in acceptance of my acceptance of her. I said, you're going to like it very much. But friends, remember this. When God gives a promise and we ask and we believe and claim, 
we don't realize it in its full significance immediately any more than when you put an apple seed under in the soil, though it contains an apple tree. You don't see an apple tree. You have to accept that apple tree by faith. And so I was to accept God's wisdom and God's guidance purely on the basis of faith. The just shall live by faith, not by feeling. And so as I said to her, I have a wonderful answer, and you're going to like it. Friends, I hadn't the slightest idea what the answer was. She looked at me much as to say, what is the answer? But since I didn't know, what was I going to do? There was only one thing left to do, and that was to repeat it. Juanita, it's absolutely wonderful. You're just going to be so thrilled with it. What was I doing? I was claiming the answer. It's one thing to ask. All of us can ask. Oh, friends, the world is full of asking Christians. Oh, there are millions of people that are asking, but where are the believing Christians? And most of all, where is the Christian that will say, Lord, on the basis of your promise, I thank you I have received, though I do not realize it at the moment. So I repeated it the third time, and it went something like this. Juanita, the answer is so wonderful. It's just out of this world. Friends, it was out of this world so far as I was concerned. I had no more idea what the answer was than anything. My daughter again looked at me, much as to say, Daddy, what is it? And you know what happened then? Three times I had declared that I had received. Then the Lord gave me just the first basis of the answer, found in the text we cited a few moments ago. Psalm 25, verse 9. The meek he will guide in judgment. How could the Lord guide me into giving her the proper counsel unless I was meek? And as we've already stated, meekness and humility means that we honor the sinner. I did not honor Jim. He had divorced his wife, and he had the ability to allure almost any girl, it seemed to me. In fact, I belittled him in my own mind to such an extent that before I would even want to walk where he had walked, I would like to first wash his step with Lysol. That is how sanctimonious I felt concerning Jim. Could the Lord answer a sanctimonious prayer? No way. It wasn't a question of whether Jim had sinned or not. God had said, you honor all men. God had said, esteem others better than yourself, Philippians 2, 3. The Lord said, speak evil of no man, Titus 3, 2. So I had a condition to fulfill, and that was for me to change my thinking so completely that instead of belittling Jim, I would honor him. This thought didn't originate with me, I assure you. This came from God, who said, He fashioneth our hearts alike. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I had no right to look into Jim's life and say, Jim, you better sin the way I sin, or you better stop sinning. Oh, no, that was sanctimony. So the Lord, first of all, put into my heart and into my lips these words. Juanita, Jim is a wonderful boy. My friends, I assure you, that did not come from me. That came from the Lord. Jim is a wonderful boy. And when I said that, my daughter instantly smiled, and she said, Thank you, Daddy. Yes, he is.
Then the Lord gave me the next sentence. Follow me carefully. When I said, Jim is a wonderful boy, I now was complying with humility. I was honoring him. I was respecting him. The next sentence the Lord gave me was concerning his wife. We'll call her name Mary. And I said, Juanita, do you know his ex-wife is wonderful too? She's only about 19 years old. She's already a registered nurse. Don't you notice how neat and clean she is? How intelligent she is? How courteous she is? And my daughter smiled into my face and she said, Yes, Daddy, she is wonderful. Now, I had come down on the level of humility. We call it the third horizontal level based on Philippians 2, 5 to 8, where it says, Christ was God. That's the highest level. He became man. That's the next level. Then he became the servant of man. That's the third level down. I had come down to that level in my attitude toward Jim. My daughter had come down in that uh, level in her attitude toward Mary. Now, the Lord could guide us in judgment. The moment that I made that statement and my daughter was with me, the Lord revealed to me the whole answer. It came all in, in seconds. I said, Juanita, the Lord has certainly led you into Jim's life. Well, that's what she wanted me to say. Now I had completely accepted her. I had completely accepted Jim. And the Lord gave me the answer. I said, you know what? with such a wonderful boy as Jim. Suppose you had married Jim in the first place instead of Mary. Suppose you and Jim had had a little fuss. And suppose Jim had divorced you. Do you know what you and I would, would like? We would like someone to come along to Jim and say, you should go back to your wife. Juanita, I want to make a prediction. I predict that the next time that you have a date with Jim, you're going to say, Jim, you have just divorced the finest woman in all the world for you. Jim, I would like to give you some counsel. Instead of running around with the different girls, I'd like to counsel you to go back and start courting your wife all over again. She's a good woman, Jim. Just because you've had some misunderstanding doesn't justify you in separating from her and divorcing her, you start courting her again. And then, when it is appropriate, Jim, you will woo her. And then as time goes by, you will then propose marriage to her. And Jim, I predict that she will say yes to your proposal. And you will marry her again. And you're going to be happy, very happy with her. You'll have learned some of the lessons of life that are needed, the idea, and then you can be happy together. Our daughter said, Daddy, do you think I could do that? I said, Juanita, I know you can do it. And I said, and the Lord is going to reward you in a very outstanding way. She said, all right, Daddy, I'll do it. The next date she had with Jim was outstanding. Said she, Jim, I have some counsel for you. And she went on and revealed to him exactly what I'd given her by the Lord. She said, Jim, you have a good wife that you've just divorced. Why should you let a little fuss 
some un misunderstandings cause you to be separated from such a lovely girl. Nobody could better fit into your life than Mary. Jim, I want to suggest that you go back and form the friendship with your ex-wife all over again. I suggest that you court her. And Jim, when it is appropriate, you will propose marriage. And Mary will say yes, Jim, for she will see then that you're accepting her as she is, and she's accepting you as you are. And she will say yes, Jim. And you will marry, and you will be happy, Jim. Jim turned to Juanita. He said, Nita, do you think I could do that? She said, Jim, I know you can. He said, all right, Juanita, I will do it. Friends, listen to this miracle. Jim began forming this friendship with his wife all over again. And then he began to court her very appropriately. Their misunderstandings began to melt away. And then at the proper time, he said, Mary, now that our misunderstandings have melted away and we understand each other better, why don't we marry again? And Mary said, Jim, that's just what I was thinking. I believe we can make a go of it this time by the grace of the Lord. And so Jim and Mary were married and they were exceeding happy until the day that Jim died of cancer in Mary's arms. What a fellowship they had found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, my friends, had I not listened to the voice of the Lord and humbled myself, I could never have claimed the guidance. Psalm 25, 9, the meek will he guide in judgment. The meek will he teach his way. As the years came and went, I studied prayerfully this wonderful guidance of the Lord. I decided by the Lord's grace that I would look upon everyone with whom I came in contact from the third level down. I would look up to them. I would respect them. Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for the sinner, my dear friends. Isn't it a shame that we professing Christians have become so sanctimonious that if somebody else doesn't sin the way we sin, we think we have the right to look down our noses at them. In Isaiah, the 58th chapter, the Lord tells us that his guiding us continually is based on our getting down onto this humble level. The ninth verse says, if you'll stop pointing your finger at others. Now, when I point my finger at the mistakes of others, you know, I am guilty of three sins. When I judge the motives of somebody else and belittle him, the Bible says that I'm guilty of the very judgment that I'm pronouncing against him for all have sinned. Romans 2.1 says, you that condemn somebody else, you're also a sinner. You have no business doing it. And then the second thing of which I'm guilty is brought out by our Lord Jesus Christ as recorded in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. He said, judge not or you're going to be judged 
and you'll be a hypocrite when you judge somebody else for the thing you're doing. So first of all, I'm guilty of the same thing that I'm judging as the bad motive of another. The second is, it makes me a hypocrite for doing the thing for which I'm judging another. Thirdly, and this amazed me years ago when I found it in God's Word, Jesus said in John 5:22 that all judgment is committed to the Son. Not even the Father in heaven judges today. He's committed all to the Son. Not an angel that cleaves the air. Then what a tragic thing for a human being to assume to take the place of Jesus Christ, the judge. Therefore, the Bible says that the one who tries to take Christ's place, you see, who is our judge, means that we become an associate of Satan, the Antichrist. This is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. It says the man of sin, the Antichrist, will come into the chair of God and he'll try to take the seat that belongs to Jesus Christ. My friends, when I first read of those three sins of which a person is guilty, when he belittles another, when he judges the motives of another, and then I noticed that in Isaiah 58, verse 9, the Lord said, that's what you're guilty of. That's why you're praying. You're asking of me answers, and you're not getting the answers. You're even fasting. And you're saying, Lord, why in the world don't you come to our rescue? He said, it's because you're pointing out the mistakes of others instead of getting down on the third level and respecting all mankind for all have sinned. Now he said, if you'll change from that position, then the Lord will guide you continually. You'll be like a watered garden whose waters fail not. My, thank the Lord for such promises. I got down on two knees and I said, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving my people. Help me to share the third level on the basis of which you and I can find guidance for our homes, for our soul winning, for all the problems of life. He said, I will guide you with mine eye, and then someday I will receive you into glory. Friends, time doesn't afford for me to relate to you experience after experience after experience in my life and the life of others who, when they have taken this humble attitude, have found other lives changing, melting under this warming rays of the Holy Spirit. A member of our team found his boy in a similar situation to my, to my daughter. I shared with him this. He went to his son and he said, son, I'm sorry for the way I've belittled you. His son burst into tears, threw his arms around his dad, and he started on the road to the kingdom. This has happened again and again in the lives of men and women. Wouldn't you like to have it happen in your life? When the tempter shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against, against him when we take the third level down. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.